How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. One man. Goodbye. Hello, husband. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Zero preview show is finally here after a long, cold offseason. We've got games to talk about, kickoffs scheduled, and spreads to wager on. We've also got no quarterbacks named at a couple of big institutions. The Big Ten media rights deal, we've got to talk about that. And of course, we have to mention our weekly pick'em show all here on the Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmies and the Joes. I'm Mitch Mason, joined with Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney. Fellas, we've been waiting for this moment, I mean, technically since the national championship closed, but as a podcast, we've been talking about this specific preview since the middle of May. We have real, actual football games happening in just a couple of days' time. I I could not be more excited. I don't think I've been this excited for a Nebraska game since ever. (laughs) So we've got that going for us. Nebraska Northwestern, obviously the headliner this weekend. Some other sneaky good games that you'll want to be near a TV. Even if you're not quite a football diehard like we are, if you just love the sport, there's a lot of sneaky good games this weekend. And I'm absolutely staying up for that game on the island, Vandy and Hawaii. I'm pumped for that. I'll watch Hawaii football just about any time that I can get it, which is not very common, but anytime I can. Unfortunately, it's the only home game for Hawaii we're going to get this year on normal TV. I read that. But we might be looking for a Periscope or a, a... a live stream somewhere on a shady website if we want to watch Hawaii football home <laughs> games the rest of the season. Well, the Sickos committee tweeted something about that, and and I re- responded to them, never underestimate the power of the internet, a free stream at 240p. Uh, we will find a way, and Hawaii football will be enjoyed by probably thousands more than it would be otherwise, but uh, hey, not a bad thing. Yeah, we've got so much to talk about in this episode. You know, week zero, the previews, listen, I hear you on the other end of your dial. You're going, Mitch, it's week zero. Why on earth are we getting up for Wyoming at Illinois? Ten point spread, by the way. Because, loyal listener, it's all we've got to talk about. And it's not the most impressive slate of games, but it does mean that football is here. Pumpkin spice lattes are back at Starbucks. Not a sponsor could be. And, uh, you know, if you're donning a sweatshirt or a maybe a sweater vest, on a Saturday morning, even though it is way too warm to be doing so, we're not going to judge you. So it's football time. It's football weather in some parts of the country, not here in Dallas. Uh, but we're going to make the most of it while we can. And, and 
look, we complain as soon as football season goes away. You, you kind of snap your fingers and we're past the national championship. So let's enjoy the ride, fellas. Let's let's get into this. We've got a lot to talk about, as I mentioned. We'll start off the top, news and notes. Uh, and, you know, first of all, we haven't mentioned it. I, I kind of realized doing some research for this podcast, we hadn't mentioned the Big Ten media deal, which, look, we've had so much uh, other, so many teams to preview, so many other things going on that we just hadn't gotten to it. But, guys, we do have to address the $7 billion elephant in the room. Uh, the SEC music on CBS, not going to be played for the SEC past 2023. How do we feel about that? It's been a long time coming, at least that part of it, because if you followed the story, the SEC and the and CBS have not really been playing nice with each other. The CBS has gotten the best deal in college football media for mm-hmm. about two decades in the rights mm-hmm. that they have to pay to get the game of the week in the SEC each, each week, which is usually the game of the week nationally. And... SEC wanted more money. The CBS said, no, we're not going to give you more money. So they go to ESPN. But now I'm really intrigued because the Big Ten basically has three of the four national over-the-air networks to themselves. And they're going to have wall-to-wall coverage over the air. And I know this is a digital age where we can stream whatever we want for a low price, but over-the-air still matters. When you talk about versus cable, you look at – that's why NFL – Games are only broadcast over the air for the most part, especially playoff games. It matters. It gets in front of the most eyeballs still. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this works out for the SEC basically giving that up. Yeah, and that eyeballs thing is a big factor when you talk about the conference realignment, which I think is kind of the looming thing behind it. Right. This is going to become a competition. We talked about that in previous episodes where the the SEC and the Big Ten are going to be looking to fight to see who can be the bigger, biggest conference and mega conference and everything else falls by the wayside. But, um, yeah, no, those eyeballs matter. If you have that many networks, that much money to to, you know, send that out to everyone in those bigger markets, then uh, it's a little bit more enticing if you're a team looking to maybe uh, up your situation. I know that the Peacock Network is also going to be a part of this uh, through NBC. That's probably the part of this deal that worries me the most is that as it's currently structured, Fox will do the the big noon kickoff game. Uh, CBS will do the 3.30 afternoon primetime slot, formerly the SEC on CBS, and then NBC will do a nightly primetime game. But depending on how the scheduling breaks, and this, this probably bleeds over into – Uh, opinions that I have on golf and how NBC has handled that broadcasting. And, you know, to be honest, I don't think they've done a very good job with that. I'm a little bit worried about the product itself going forward because I I don't know if you guys have an opinion on this Notre Dame games on ESPN. They just lack a little bit of pop for me. I mean, Mike Tariqa's classic um, and they've had a couple of different voices doing him. I believe Chris Collinsworth is going to do some of these games as well. So maybe there's some energy, but whenever I tune in to watch NBC uh, and, and watch Notre Dame, it just kind of lacks a, a little bit of an oomph that I feel like you get from the other networks. Am, am I am I crazy? Am I alone on that? Is is there a concern that you guys have about this new deal from a viewership standpoint? I'm actually with you on that. I think Fox does a really good job, but the NBC side does worry me. I don't actually like many of their products, save maybe the Olympics. 
Um, and even the Olympics can get to be a little bit of a bore. So uh, I'm not necessarily a firm believer in what NBC puts out. Um, and so, yeah, co- color me skeptical on what they're going to do. I, I think Fox is great. I think CBS is fine. I think obviously getting that big slot there at 330 is fine. But uh, yeah, not a big fan of the NBC product. I actually really liked Tariko and I think Drew Brees was on there yeah, last, last year. year. I really liked that crew last year. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Sunday night football. The production value on Sunday night football is really, really good. Mm-hmm. So if they bring some of that over, sign me up. But do you, are y'all aware of who the announcers are for Notre Dame on NBC this year? I feel like from, we are very familiar with one of them in this. Well, city. I feel like I should know and I'm not. I, I I mean I don't remember off the top yeah, of my head. So please let us know. Jack Collinsworth, who I think is all of like oh, twenty eight oh years old or something right. like that, and Jason Garrett is the color. Oh boy! Wow. So coming some... to a TV set near you this fall. Is that just going to be clapping over the mic the whole time? <laughs> That's right. Pretty much. That's Jason what I'm Garrett. Saying. Now Jason Garrett made his broadcasting debut with the USFL, correct? And probably I, I, think, I, I don't think I've ever watched the USFL game. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I think I watched all of 30 seconds of one, and I'm pretty sure that was where he kind of cut his broadcasting teeth. I, but I, I believe it was more of an a sideline capacity. And I mean, from what I heard, he was fine. I'm I'm a little bit surprised that he's going to be in the booth. Now, uh, Jack will be the, the play by play for that. No, no doubt about it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but having Jason in the booth you know, he's an analytical guy. He's he's an intelligent guy. Uh, and so I think he might actually have a decent career in broadcasting if he can fit that fit that mold. Um, hopefully a better uh, broadcaster than he was a head coach. Um, but we're not talking Dallas Cowboys right now. So anyway, uh, keep your eyes <laughs> Sorry for that, that tangent, but that, that just needed to be said. Sure. <laughs> Who's going to be entertaining <laughs> this year? Next season, it'll be interesting because the SEC and and this conglomeration of networks will share uh, the SEC and Big Ten. So their CBS specifically will have SEC games, but they will also have some Big Ten games. And then I believe starting in 2024, we make the the, the flip entirely. So the the other side of this, the SEC is going to get paid. Greg Sankey's not a moron. I, I do think maybe he moved a little too slowly in this. Um now, in their defense, the Trey, you mentioned kind of the rocky relationship between the SEC and CBS. The SEC and CBS struck that deal, I believe, either in 2007 or 2008, when the economy was obviously just not very good. And the SEC kind of hoped that CBS would honor the upswing in the economy and allow them to renegotiate. And essentially, CBS said, sorry, uh, no can do there. So. Yep. That's what's led to uh, a tightening of tensions, and now the SEC is going to go, I guess, exclusively over to ESPN and ABC. So uh, it will be a little bit of a different look come 2023, 2024, but we'll talk about that in due time. Just had to get our comments out there. Elsewhere around the country, no QB1s named for Texas A&M or Oregon right now. Jimbo Fisher held a press conference on the off day of fall camp. And the first question out of everybody's mouth was, have you named a quarterback? He said, no, I have not. He did note that they, I believe the quote was, we have a pretty good idea of how things are going, but we're not ready to announce that quite yet. So guys, uh, Texas A&M has been very vocal about, we'll name a quarterback when we're ready. 
Oregon has said very much the same things. Dan Lanning has not named a quarterback, although it's assumed that Bo Nix will win the job. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Uh, is it concerning or not that two of the biggest programs and highest rated programs in the country have not named a starting quarterback just a couple days out from week one? I think personally, it's concerning maybe more for Oregon than A&M. The, the adage is, you know, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. Um, I don't think that's always true. I think sometimes you have a true quarterback battle where you have guys that are really good competing and they just want to give them the time to finish the reps. Both guys get fair amounts of reps. Uh, and what it seems like Jimbo's doing is just giving both guys plenty of time. Um, at Oregon, I think it has a lot more to do with Bo Nix getting acclimated to the offense, you know, transferring over and having really young guys behind him who you're maybe not sure what they have in terms of in-game experience and, you know, acclimation to the college game. So on one hand, you've got loads of experience, don't know the system. On the other hand, you've got knows the system, but not very much experience. Um, so I, I think it's maybe a little more concerning for Oregon than it is A&M. I do think you would have preferred in either of those cases to see a guy just step up and take the lead and just take the job outright um, and, you know, convince the coaches maybe in week one or week two, yeah, I'm your guy. Uh, but I don't think it's necessarily that concerning for Anim since it seems like from what we're hearing, everything is going well in that competition and that it's just a couple of guys that are really pushing each other. Yeah, I totally agree that Oregon needs to be way more concerned about not officially naming a starter. I think it will be Bo Nix, but week one for Oregon is Georgia, whereas week one for Texas A&M is Sam Houston State. So we got to get it figured out if we're the Ducks on who's going to lead us into battle against the defending national champs, whereas Jimbo might even see that creep into that first game. If he's not fully set on one guy, I don't know that he's ever done that in his career before. He definitely does like to ride with one guy, but I wouldn't be su surprised to see both Max Johnson and Haynes King get a lot of reps in that Sam Houston game. He hasn't, I don't think he's ever gone into a season not having announced a quarterback or not committing to one guy. He actually historically is known for waiting kind of until the 11th hour to make a quarterback selection. I will say going into year five with so much on the line, and with the team probably a year away, I mean that's not uh, that's not Aggie homerism. There's a, I mean basically everyone around the country is is saying A and M's playoff window opens a year from now. But if you want to beat that schedule and you want to go ten and two or better, I do think there's something to the rest of the roster kind of knowing unflinchingly who your number one quarterback is. And so I'll play devil's advocate and say it's a little concerning that one guy hasn't grab the bull by the horns you know from from all the the practice uh reports that we've gotten you know both guys are playing well both guys are making some mistakes but overall it's been it's been productive practices still I, I would like to see you know I would like to see Haynes King who's in his third year in the system really rise above uh and I do wonder a little bit about his development if he's not able to to beat out a a starting quarterback, a very good transfer quarterback in Max Johnson, but still a guy who in 14 games, his SEC record is eight and six. One thing I will say just real quick on this, one factor we may not be thinking about is the fact that the locker room might know who it is. 
but it's kind of on a keep it tight, don't talk about it type of thing, sure. just because they want to make sure that both guys get a chance to develop, deal with, you know, whoever lost the job might need to deal with some mm-hmm. of that and figure out some stuff behind the scenes as well. And so we could actually have decisions at both places, and they're just letting the other guys kind of solve the locker room thing before announcing it to the public. That's not uncommon. It's not necessarily super common all the time, but it's not something I'd be shocked by if that were the case, either in College Station or Eugene. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Last item of news to get here is something that involves you, the listener. It's a reminder to check out the spread option, the three tech pods weekly pick them this week, week zero. We've got a little early bird special, if you will, five games on the docket. You can find that over on our social media uh, on Instagram or Twitter at three tech pod. If you choose to email the show asking for the link, I'll email it right to you if you so choose, but head on over. Uh, play that, uh, and you'll get to compete against us. We'll be doing it every single week. We'll be keeping track of how everyone's doing throughout the uh, the regular season. The top uh, point getter for the listeners will earn a shout-out either on Twitter or the podcast, and then uh, in the end of the season, there might, might be a, po- uh, a prize for the top earner. I guess we'll have to wait and see, but uh, head on over. Uh, you can find that again. Uh, I've put it on Twitter a couple of times. We'll put it on Instagram as well, at 3TechPod, and you can uh, hop into that link, fill it out. takes two minutes of your time, and I think it should be a, a really fun project. Normally, once we get into week one, we'll have 10 games every single week against the spread. All of those lines provided by Bet Online, not a sponsor, could be, and uh, we'll have a good time with that. So, guys, without any further ado, we've got our preseason top 25. We looked at the AP poll. We thought, that's fine. We looked at the coaches poll. That's fine too. But we wanted to make a three-tech pod top 25, and we've divided it into three sections. We've got the contenders, kind of the midfield, the wild cards, if you will, and then a section of teams that you look up on New Year's Day and, holy cow, USC's in the Rose Bowl. BYU, they're in Tucson. They're they're playing at State Farm Stadium in, in the Fiesta Bowl for for whatever reason. Yeah, that'd be a big yeah. deal this year. Yeah, and, and you well, that, that's that's very <laughs> it's in the rotation. And BYU makes the playoff. That's crazy. <laughs> you know I what? I the mean. wrong team from they're, Utah. <laughs> they're playing. They're playing on uh, you know, on the big stage. In yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the the top section we've got teams one through nine are kind of our contenders to make the playoff. And if you listen to our prediction show. You know a couple of these teams. You're familiar with the fact that I picked NC State to make the playoff this year, uh, and they've slotted in at number nine. Those contenders for us in our consensus poll, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Utah, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, Michigan, Oklahoma, and NC State. I don't know that there's a ton to say about this, especially because we just spent an entire prediction show kind of outlining what the top of college football looks like, but is there maybe one team that you're kind of most interested in from this contender side? For me, it's Oklahoma. And I kind of laid out that case last episode when I predicted them to go to the playoff. But yeah, can all those transfers, can the new coaching staff, can all of that talent that's on campus but doesn't have a lot of experience in the Crimson and Cream, can that all mesh together and make a run to a Big 12 title. Last year, I think would most Sooner fans would agree was a down year, and they still went, what, 10-2, and two, and were right on the doorstep of a Big 12 title in the last week of the season. So 
I think they've got the talent. I really like Brent Venables as a coach, and we'll see what happens. But I, I'm fully comfortable putting them right there in that contender category. Yeah, uh, my interesting team I'm thinking about uh, is Notre Dame, actually. I think a lot of people would expect me to say Utah because I've been so high on them. But Notre Dame's really interesting to me. We know what me. you think about Utah. We exactly. <laughs> no, Notre Dame, they're really interesting to me. I think with the schedule they have this year, it's just so brutal that if they can come out here and win a couple games, surprise a couple people, this could be a playoff team on its own merits. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. We talked about our predictions for that. But, you know, they have a real chance to make some noise and be a team that we could be talking about as a top two, top three team here, even in a couple of weeks, if they come out, maybe shock Ohio State or something like that. Second uh, section of teams, the wild card teams, if you will, 10 through 17. You know, you look through this list and it's it's teams like Kentucky, like Arkansas, Miami, Houston, Baylor, you know, we spent a lot of time talking through those big 12 teams and uh, obviously uh, Trey, you, you spent uh, a little bit of time talking about Oklahoma as well. It seems like if there are maybe two conventional favorites in the big 12, it's been a lot of Oklahoma state, a lot of Baylor thrown around a team that I'm really interested in this season is Kentucky sitting there at number 11 in our poll. You know, they've got an experienced quarterback, and Will Levis may be the best quarterback in the SEC that's not named Bryce Young. And they've got some really experienced pieces coming back on both sides of the ball. Now, they lose Wandale Robinson offensively. They lose some of their pass rush on, on the defense. But as we've talked about, the East is kind of wide open behind Georgia, right? And it depends what you think about Tennessee, what you think about South Carolina, what you think about the Florida Gators. We seem to be maybe a little bit more down on the Gators than, than the national presence is. There's a lot of eight and fours, nine and threes being thrown around for Florida. And you know, I, I don't personally see that. So, you know, I think we've got Kentucky slotted in pretty nicely here, just outside the top 10. I'd be surprised if they finish the year inside the top 10 in single digits. But for my money, they're, they're squarely the second best team in the SEC East. I actually wouldn't be surprised if they finish in the top 10. There's a good chance that they're favored in every game except for Georgia this year. Yeah. Like we need to, as a country and as a show, just make ourselves comfortable with Kentucky being a favorite in all these games because I think that's what, how the odds makers are going to see them mm-hmm. the vast majority of the weeks, maybe even every week except for Georgia. Yeah, and I think they're getting disrespected. I mean, a lot of people are high on Florida, a lot of people high on Tennessee as well, thinking that Tennessee is just going to have this unstoppable offense that is going to score a billion points and they're going to win everything. Kentucky's getting a little bit slept on. You know, I guess they're just not a football school. Don't tell Mark Stoops. Um, but you know, I'm I'm thinking this is going to be a really fun team to watch. The knock for them for getting into the top ten, I think, is just going to be the fact that you know a lot of these teams they're going to beat up on aren't very respected either, mm-hmm. and so you know the, it's not going to weigh as much when you just slam Vanderbilt or you know you know beat the crap out of you know Mizzou or something like that. That's just not going to hold the same kind of water in an SEC East schedule. Now maybe it should, maybe it shouldn't, but the point is, I think their schedule is going to get held against them a little bit. Um, I hope that they get the the awareness and that sort of uh, visibility so that they can pop up into the top 10 because I think they deserve it. Final group of teams, 18 through 25, Michigan State, USC, BYU, Pitt, Minnesota, Penn State, Ole Miss, and Kansas State. Teams receiving votes 
Wake Forest, we don't know what, what the Sam Hartman situation is, so I know that knocks them down a little bit. Tennessee, Cincinnati, and Coastal. I know we're more down on USC, at least to start. It, this is very much a prove-it year for me. I, I'm kind of loath to just assume that all these pieces fit together initially, but I know a lot of people have them creeping towards the top 10 in their preseason polls. Is there kind of a, a team in here that you think either can play spoiler or, or make a lot of noise in, in 2022? I personally pick Kansas State to be in the Big 12 championship game, so mm-hmm. um, I, I think Kansas State's going to have a real good year. I understand not having them ranked very high at the start of the season. They haven't really proven anything. Last year wasn't explosive for them, right? So I, I just think they're going to be a lot better this year, and I think that by the end of the year, we're going to be talking about, if my projections go correctly, a Kansas State going down to Louisiana and playing in the Sugar Bowl at the end of the year. So this is where I think they go, just based on my projections. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm high on Kansas State. Um, I'm higher than I think both of you guys on Ole Miss. Uh, To me, it's Minnesota, and they're one of my darling teams, so I won't hash that out again. Uh, Listen to my full thoughts on Minnesota on our last episode, but man, the schedule sets up really nicely for them. They've got a ton of returning experience. They could definitely make it to the big 10 championship game and then you know if they catch ohio state on a bad day or if they just perform really well they'll be in the rose bowl if they can make it to the big 10 championship game i yeah. love it I'm, I'm rowing the boat right there with you no doubt <laughs> all right guys well that's the top 25 we will put out a graphic both on instagram and twitter so you can see our full top 25 if you want to comment you know where you'd move teams up or down feel free to do that again at 3techpod on Instagram and Twitter send us a DM uh, if you would so like but we've we put it off long enough gentlemen it is time to talk actual football games the week 0 preview and we've got to start off the top i know no listen no disrespect to Austin P in Western Kentucky we're not going to preview you. that game the first game of the year. We're, listen, feel free to watch that on CBS Sports Network. I believe it starts at 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Uh, I don't know that I'm necessarily going to be investing in that because our first game to preview, the one that everybody will be watching, if you are watching Week Zero College Football, Nebraska, the Cornhuskers at Northwestern. The game is being played in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, all times, by the way, for these previews will be Central Standard Time, where we are. So uh, adjust God's accordingly. Time zone. That's right. Uh, adjust accordingly if you are outside the Central Time Zone. Eleven thirty a.m. on Fox, Nebraska. Right now, a thirteen point favorite, technically on the road, according to Bet Online. Guys, I mean, look, the road to any sort of improvement and future in the red and white starts right here for Scott Frost. I, I think. In large part, he's got to kind of forget what's happened in the past and start his career over again with Nebraska. He's got to be zero and zero, just like the team is zero and zero, and and go out there and coach a quality ball game. Look, Northwestern's getting thirteen for a reason. I mean, this team does not score; they're not really going to stop you. It kind of feels like Nebraska might be playing Nebraska in this game, if if you know what I mean. That that the Cornhuskers could be their own worst enemy. How do you guys see this see this shaking out? I know we've talked about it uh, off camera, and I at least I seemed a little bit more confident in the Huskers than you guys did. I did the nor- the the Northwestern preview. They have maybe the best left tackle in football. 
and that's about it. Um, they're not a very good squad. Nebraska is, I think they're going to smash up this game. No problem. I think 13, I'd take Nebraska minus 13. No issue there. Um, Scott Frost has to win this game. If he doesn't win this game, he might get left in Ireland and he just has to win this game. So I I think that's no issue for them. Casey Thompson's going to be fantastic in that game. He's going to, you know, he was good for Texas last year. I think with a little bit more support around him, he's going to be just fine. Um, and yeah, they're just going to tear up a pretty bad Northwestern squad. Yeah, I I think you're right on Mitch to say, you know, Nebraska's really playing Nebraska, and we were in this exact same situation on Week Zero last year. I just looked it up; they were more than a touchdown favorite against. Illinois at kickoff last year and you know it was uh Brett Bielema's first year first game as the head coach of the fighting Illini and they knocked him off you know so yeah as much as I want to say yeah 13 shouldn't be a problem for Nebraska against Northwestern there's just so many red flags if you're trying to decide which side to go laying some actual money on this Number one, Nebraska is a huge red flag. I don't know what in your right mind would make you want to bet on Nebraska. But if you do, the game is in, you know, five time zones away from their home stadium. It's a week zero game where literally everybody is going to be watching. And yeah, we can talk about how Scott Frost needs to just be 0-0 in his tenure. But Holy cow, this the the pressure of the entire state is on this football team right now. And maybe they'll rise to the occasion. We haven't talked about, you know, individual players yet, but I really like Casey Thompson in this mm-hmm. offense. I really think that he's going to have a lot of, you know, I think he's going to provide a nice spark to this offense. And hopefully they don't run him as much as they did Adrian Martinez last year. But yeah. I don't know. Like it's his first start. It's a, a team that's playing with an immense amount of pressure. I'm leaning towards taking Northwestern in the points here. Just with in all the, the point, unknowns, I, the game, I think right? I'm taking Northwestern in the points. Okay, cool. L- listen, that's, I, I definitely understand. Uh, riding with the, the Cornhuskers here, not for the faint of heart, just like riding with Florida State, not for the faint of heart, and yet I'm signing up to do so. Nebraska has the better offensive line, and I think, Casey Thompson is a very good quarterback. I think without breaking his thumb last year, he's still the starting quarterback at Texas. Who knows if Quinn Ewers actually transfers in, but I think Texas probably has a better record than seven and five with a healthy Casey Thompson last season. I like the weapons that Nebraska has much better. And I just don't think that this Northwestern offense is going to be able to put up points. Now, that being said, Folks in, in Evanston, Illinois, now we've got a national audience from, from Garner, uh, North Carolina to Sacramento, California. So there may very well be some, some Evanston loc- uh, locales there. If you are a Wildcats fan, here's what you've got to hope on. Your team, against all odds, is typically very good in openers, whether you're at home or on the road. It's been several years since you lost by more than two touchdowns, so I'm not saying that you have hope to win this game necessarily, although see 2021, like Trey pointed out, but you at the very least have been very, very competitive, not to mention it's an even year, which Northwestern just for whatever reason seems to be better in election years. years. Uh, So, you know, 
maybe maybe if the stars align, if the third moon in, uh, of Jupiter is is in the right house, then you know we're in Ireland, folks. Like, let's get weird. Uh, yeah. Maybe the Wildcats pull off pull off what would be a massive upset. And, and I mean, I know we talked about this a little bit. Say that I mean, just the worst case scenario for Nebraska happens, and the Cornhuskers lose. Does Scott Frost leave Dublin with his job intact? Nope. He does because of the way that his contract was restructured in the, the offseason. The buyout dropped significantly, I think, like October 1st. Yeah. So it's like right after the bye week or something, like exactly half the season. Yeah. So technically, yes, he will leave his job. He will leave Ireland with his job no matter what. In all practicality, no. Yeah, that's I, that's I, what I was about to say. Yep. Yeah. Technically speaking, he'll be on the payroll, but he will receive <laughs> notice on a non-official basis that he better start looking for houses somewhere else. That's exactly right. There's a there's a pink slip with a future date that will be. They, they're gonna make him back. fly coach back. So yeah. And a real estate agent in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, ready to show him houses for uh, his rehab program. The healing waters go. of Nick Saban's Alabama program await. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, so split, split decision there. I'm, I'm definitely riding with the Cornhuskers. Oh my goodness, Nebraska. If you let me down, I'm going to wear it all season long. I'm prepared to do so. Game number two on our schedule, Wyoming, the Cowboys going to what turned out to be a deadly place to play in week zero in Champaign, Illinois, 10 point favorites, 3 PM on the big 10 network guys. Does Wyoming have a chance in this game i think they have a chance um i i don't know that there's anything that you would see in illinois that says like there's absolutely no chance that wyoming sneaks in there and knocks it off it's a small one but yeah i mean i'm willing to i'm not willing to say that it's an absolute zero chance that wyoming wins i, I i'll take illinois and the 10 points just in an ugly probably an ugly game but one that Illinois probably controls on the ground. Yeah, when you get teams at this talent level, you can never say never. The issue I see for Wyoming is there's just so much turnover on the roster. There's so much turnover in the starters, and I'm just not ready to go there and say that I can count on them to do anything. Look, Bert, he's a good coach. I like Bert Balerma right <laughs> up there, so I'm, I'm fine with him. I think he's going to do a fine job, get his guys ready to play. They'll win a week zero again. Yeah, I, I think Illinois takes this one as well. A couple of interesting stats here. At home, Fighting Illini have a 61-27-4 all-time record in season openers. But interestingly enough, against Mountain West opponents, according to Bleacher Report, they're only 5-4-1. So Mountain West Conference has played some plucky football against the Fighting Illini. But that being said, Wyoming's rushing defense was below average last season, and we, we previewed Chase Brown and how good he is. He was a 1,000-yard rusher last year. I expect him to be the same this season. They've got one of the most veteran lines in, in football, and I, I just think that this rushing attack, which is Brett Bielema's bread and butter, is going to be too much for Wyoming. I do wonder, though, in a Week 0 game, as both teams kind of get tuned up, if Illinois' offense, which has never been accused of being explosive, uh pulls away truly from Wyoming. So I think I'm going to take the Cowboys and the points here on the road. That just seems like the safest bet to me, but I don't know. 
I, I don't even know if Wyoming's covering the spread until late. Like it, it would make sense to me that maybe a late touchdown brings them within that spread. But I really do feel like Illinois is going to run the ball, limit possessions, and kind of control the clock the entire game. Yeah, I don't think you can say they're going to run away from it, but it's so much easier early in the season to just hand the ball off and smack the guy across from you in the face. And so I think they're going to have no issue just running it down their throats and wearing them down. Uh, I could see them maybe with like a late sort of backdoor cover type of situation, but I don't think that they're going to run away with it by any means. Yeah, over-under is also only 44 on this game. So Vegas sees it as about like a 28-17 situation. I totally see that maybe that feels about right. somewhere yeah so illinois controls it maybe covers late we we haven't talked about it yet how do you guys feel about betting the over versus the under like it seems like if you are going to bet the under week zero might be the way to do it but at, at the same time with that over under at 44 i mean a 24 to 21 game and you lose yeah vegas vegas is definitely factoring that in just looking at some of these games that Week zero and week one that they're expecting, I think, some sloppy contests. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you where you might be able to bet the under and cash out maybe later on in the show. All right. Well, there you go. Little little tease. Little tease. It's like Trey's done some radio in the past. Game <laughs> number three on the slate. 49ers of Charlotte. They go to Boca Raton. FAU hosting week zero opener. FAU, a seven-point home favorite. That game, 6 p.m., on CBS Sports Network. I, I I feel like the Owls and their offense probably too much here for the 49ers. It's a defense that was atrocious a season ago for Charlotte. And look, Ricky Ronnie, he, he started out really strong in, in year one. And since then, it has been a just chore to win football games. Willie Taggart's looking to be bowl eligible for the first time in his tenure at FAU. And I just think If he is going to reach that plateau, it starts here. So give me the owls and the points at home in week zero. Yeah, minus seven feels really easy here for a defense that wasn't good and doesn't have a whole lot of prospects of getting better. uh, Yeah, minus seven feels pretty easy here. Not a whole lot more to say there. Yeah, I'll I'll ditto that. Neither coach really one I really want to bet on, but I'll take the (laughs) owls at home. Um, $7 get in price if you're in yeah. Boca Raton and looking to scratch your live football itch. So go out and support the local also, team. Can I just say, if you're betting this game and you're not, you know, alumni, you might have a separate issue. Than <laughs> hold on. Hold, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't want to judge anybody. Yeah, we're not I'm shaming not judging, anybody I'm just on this show. Anybody. I am only speculating that there might be another issue. The hotline that they can call is on every website. They're adults. <laughs> they, they'll figure it out. I loved one of my favorite favorite nuances from another sports podcast was always that the betting line is like the same in every state except Indiana, which at one point it was like 1-800-BET-WITH-IT or something like that. It was just a random phone number. Uh, I believe they've changed it since. But uh, yeah, no, 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 no judgment here. Where Listen. We're not saying go go out and put hard-earned American currency on any of these, nor are we saying that we're doing that. If you were, though, we're giving you the information, and uh, it's it's an easy way to to add context to these games. So certainly not an endorsement. Not um, financial not advice. Financial advice. Not, not an advisor. financial advisor. These are our thoughts and opinions only, uh, not even sponsored by anyone like Bet Online. Although, uh, hey, I'll pick up the phone if you call. Fourth game to talk about, UNT at UTEP. Boys, this is going to be a fun one. 
this is also going to be the most challenging to find uh, in order to live stream if you're not in the Sun Bowl. It was a pick'em when I last checked. Uh, this game kicking off 8 p.m. Central Time, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, because El Paso is in a different time zone, even though it's in the state, same great state of Texas. Technically, this is on stadium. Now, if you're one of the five people that have stadium, congratulations. Everybody else will be flocking to a red stream because I guarantee you this is going to be a blast to watch in the Sun Bowl. Uh, per all reports, there's like 3,000 tickets remaining in the Sun Bowl. They've tried their best to sell this out. It's going to be an orange out. It's two teams that don't like each other, and it's two teams that have really high aspirations. Garrett, I'll start with you. UNT, UTEP, you feel the mean green? You feel in the minors? Where are you going on this? It is a pick em. It's a really tough one, too. Like Those pick em games are always so close. I think if you, you know, force me to make a call here, I think I'm going to go UNT. When you win a quarterback spot over a guy like Grant Gannell, I just think there's too many options you know, for that, I think you're too good of a player. For me, UTEP, obviously, with a huge explosive offense last year, but a lot of question marks. Lost some pieces, lots of things you got to answer to to maintain that success. I think I'm going with UNT here. Um, good secondary, so any explosiveness that you're trying to capture if you're UTEP could be thwarted by that. So I think give me the mean green on the road. UTEP lock of the week, baby. Oh. Let's go. I don't think we're doing that officially till next week, but give me the miners as my lock of the week. They lose. They lost this game by only three points last year on the road. I think this is just a much more experienced team. I love what UTEP has coming back this year and just the continuity there, especially quarterback. And yeah, I'm just really think might be the first time that they've played in front of a home crowd. That's giving them an advantage. Mm-hmm. I just think the juice behind that is going to be too much for UNT. I'm excited to see what this atmosphere is like. Um, I, I think if I was to lean one way, I'm also going to go with the Miners, just because the home team uh, in these scenarios seems to have an inherent advantage. A couple of stats for you if you are so inclined to make a financial decision on this game. North Texas has won the last five matchups. That's something that their social media team was very proud of this week. In fact, they released highlights of each of the last five games, each of the last five days. So the Mean Green feeling themselves a little bit. And look, when you dominate a conference opponent like that, you get to talk all the smack you want. That being said, though, UTEP, like Garrett said, does have a very good offense. They did lose Jacob Cowing to Arizona, so they need to find a new receiver number one. But I actually like UTEP's defense a lot. Prezawuma Wale coming off the edge. Their defense is sneaky good. I think this is a team under Dana Dimel in his fifth season that could go 9-3 and three this year and might have an outside chance at challenging for the Conference USA title. Uh, again, like Trey said, I think it's an environment that as long as it doesn't overwhelm them because it is something that I don't know that a lot of these guys have experienced, I think it's going to give UTEP the advantage UNT has a lot of talent on offense. They've got a lot of pieces, both at running back and wide receiver, but I, I just trust the continuity a little bit of the minors. So give me the home team here. I, I love Trey with the confidence, the lock of the week. Uh, we, we've got some some things in the works starting in week one for, for lock of the week, for underdog of the week. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely be staking our claims to certain teams, but uh, the minors picked by Trey and myself. Garrett, 
going to ride with the mean green. Finally, to wrap up this week zero preview, Vanderbilt on the road at Hawaii, 9.30 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Uh, gentlemen, I believe we will all be watching this game, uh, maybe even together at one point. Um, guys, this is an SEC team that's not being treated like an SEC team, according to oh. Vegas. The Doors are just seven-point favorites on the road against Timmy Chang and the Rainbow Warriors that are quite literally starting from square one. Is Vanderbilt being disrespected here? No. I I think they're being over-respected. Oh, I, I agree. Heavens. Okay. I, I just I just don't if this is the thing I was teasing earlier. So the over-under in this game is 54. And I just so don't I, see how these two teams combine for 54 points. Um, I'm taking the Rainbow Warriors at home. I'm taking the seven points. I think it's even been bet up to eight um, on some websites now. So give me those points at home in the debut of a new coach, a son coming home to Hawaii and Timmy Chang. He does need to work on his search engine optimization, though, because if you Google, <laughs> um, if you Google uh, Hawaii head coach or Hawaii head football coach, even I think it comes up with their women's basketball coach. But aside from that, I'm actually really excited about him coming home to Hawaii. And I think it starts week zero. I think they could knock off the doors. It's a long flight out there. It's an interesting body clock situation for the Commodores. Give me the under, hammer the under. and give me Hawaii in the points. Yeah, I don't think there's any way you can disrespect Vanderbilt. I don't want to be mean, but... You know, I don't I don't think you can really disrespect this team. When I did the preview for Vanderbilt, I talked about how they had one good thing and then Bama basically mugged them like they were some homeless guy on the street. This is not a good program. This is just not, not a good program. Not yet. I not have yet. hope. No. Well, yeah, okay, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know that I know where that hope's coming from. I actually do think that Hawaii should win this game. That sounds weird to say because you're thinking, okay, well, Vanderbilt, you know, they're the SEC team. It's the bigger brand, maybe. They're on the road. They're way out there in the ocean. This is Hawaii's place. This is what they do. And there's nothing that I can really point to at Vanderbilt where I say I'm confident they can put together a good product. So if Hawaii can just scrap something together, I think they're a better team and should win that game. Now, could Vanderbilt shock us? Maybe. I, I don't know. I'm not there. They're a seven-point favorite. How is that shocking you if they win? I I think they're a really bad team. They're I, I don't in top thirty recruiting classes every I year. I don't get how they're a seven-point favorite in this game. Oh no! So the Vegas implied points uh, score here is thirty-one to twenty-three Vanderbilt, like somewhere in that range. If you look at the over/under in the spread. Do we think either of these teams hit either of those numbers? Because I don't. I think if it's a seven-point spread, it's something like 17 to 10 or like 10 I'm, to I'm, 3 or something like that. I, I don't see loads of scoring on either side here. I'm with you on the under here. I, I would not come within a, an inch of betting this game, but I, I'm with you on the under. I just Now, would I feel a lot more comfortable if it was 6.5? so that Vandy only has to win by a touchdown and an extra point, oh, you betcha. I would feel a lot more confident about that. But guys, Vanderbilt has the continuity on out of both of these two teams. Hawaii, I think, only has six starters coming back. 
after a six and seven year ago, the defense was dreadful. The offense was sluggish at times. And look, you can say the exact same things about Vanderbilt, but the difference being Vanderbilt had to do it against Georgia, Tennessee, and Kentucky, and Hawaii was doing it against you know New Mexico and Wyoming. So I just look, Vandy's been in in Hawaii for for six days. By the time they get to kickoff, they went a week early. They was they not aware of that, so that's that's good. Yeah, they've been acclimating now for for several days. I just feel like Mikey White is or Mike Wright, I'm sorry, is is probably the best player on either of these two offenses. And if he doesn't work for whatever reason, then I tell you what, they're going to pull him quick and Ken Seals is going to come in. Either way, Vanderbilt has the better athletes. They've got the better quarterback or quarterbacks. And I'm just a little bit more confident that at the very least, SEC size and talent is a good enough to beat a rebuilding program by more than seven points. Now, do I feel great about it? No. And that's, you know, not a ringing endorsement of, of Clark Lee in the program, but we know this rebuild is going to take time. And we've seen Vanderbilt win games before under James Franklin. There's nothing that leads me to believe that Clark Lee can't get him back to, you know, six, seven, maybe eight wins on a good year. And Trey, I know you're smirking at me. I know that's a pipe dream at this point, but there's not a single thing I like about Hawaii. So give me the doors, anchor down. Lock of the week. We'll just lock of the week. We'll say it right now. I love the confidence, but Mitch, I have one question for you. I have one question for you. How did you feel about East Tennessee State week one last year? Because all that SEC size (laughs) and talent couldn't stay with two scores within two scores of the Buccaneers. The honor leading the witness. Leading the witness. That's not even traveling to the Pacific Ocean. I just look. Everything you said about Hawaii, you can absolutely say about Vanderbilt. Here's my issue with the continuity. They've got nothing but a loser stench all over that locker room, and they brought everything back. Okay, I'd rather turn over with a mediocre schedule and say, yeah, we did some things right last year, but it was against a bunch of nobodies, right? And we're bringing in new pieces. I'd rather have something new and fresh with Hawaii than taking a team that got smoked at every opportunity basically last year and just is not competitive. So I I don't know, man. I don't see any way that – if Vanderbilt's going to win this game, nothing can go wrong for them. I don't think they can throw a pick. <laughs> I don't think they can fumble because as soon as they start doing it, it's here we go again. This is all going to be bad. Are we really going to lose to Hawaii? And they're just going to get in their heads about it. This is what happens to these teams when they're just so bad for so long. So, Trey, you, you bring up a good point. Listen, you make a lot of good points. Vandy – I just pulled up the the game summary of that. So Vanderbilt kicked a field goal, a 53-yarder, no less, with 4.15 left in the first quarter. They did not score again the rest of the game. Uh, the Buccaneers of East Tennessee State scored 23 unanswered. You look at the team stats. Yeah. You look at the team stats, a lot of moral victories, a lot of, a lot of positives to take away. Uh, Vandy won in total yards. Uh, they did not win in possession time, which is concerning. They did lead in first downs, but... Turnovers killed them. Ken Seals threw two really bad picks. They fumbled it away once as well. Yeah, you're Garrett, you're right. Vandy's got to play a very clean game because they do not have the proven track record of being able to come back if uh if they fall down early. I I just don't know that Hawaii has the engine, has the V8 to take the take the lead in, in a defense that a, a year in. That was Clark Lee's first game. So I it's not even like 
I'm willing to give him a little bit of grace, even though that was only the sixth time that an FCS school has ever beaten an FBS school. But I'm willing to give him a little grace because it was week one and a really bad program. If, I, I really can't like I can't provide more evidence than or, just feeling like Vanderbilt should win this comfortably by maybe even ten points. And so I'm gonna speak it into existence. The doors are one and oh heading into week two against I don't even know who they play. In oh, I agree they should win this game. I just don't think that they will. Um they Hawaii doesn't need a V8 to outrun Vanderbilt. They could probably do it on one of those mini tricycles that the people ride around for fun. Yeah, you could probably outrun these guys on a mini tricycle. Oh goodness. Doris Nation, I'm good. trying. I'm I'm trying so hard. Doris Nation at me, okay? Just at me. I'm not a fan of your team. Don't make me feel like an absolute idiot with a week zero loss to the Rainbow Warriors. Um, we'll, we'll be there for you on Sunday, Mitch. We'll be there for you. Hey, but as I'll say, probably anytime we bring up Vanderbilt this year, Nashville is a great city. I love Nashville. Great city. So we love it. Fun Can't town. Wait for baseball season. Im- imagine how fun it will be when uh, when they're celebrating a week zero win over Hawaii. We'll, we'll toast to that. Um, <laughs> Well, guys, I think that about does it. Of course, you know, there's a couple other games like Florida State plays Duquesne in week zero, a little warm up for their week one Labor Day showdown against the LSU Tigers. I'm on the bandwagon this year. I need an impressive showing out of the Knowles. I need the offense to kind of warm up to go take down the Bayou Bengals in New Orleans next week. Uh, We will be talking about that, of course, in our week one preview. Of course, uh, go over, play the pick'em spread option. You can find it on Twitter at three tech pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you've not dropped us a follow, please do so. It certainly helps us. We had a lot of new people join the Twitter ranks this week. Um, and we really do appreciate that. Head on over to the Instagram, give that some love if you're not already following. And, uh, as, as we love to remind you guys as well, there's one other thing that you can do for us. Tell a friend, uh, it really, really helps us grow the family continue to share these experiences with college football fans like you, whether you're sickos like us or just a casual fan. We certainly hope that you enjoy getting to uh, hear our thoughts and, and be entertained uh, twice uh, every week. So we'll continue to do that. We'll also have Twitter spaces, IG lives, a lot of content coming on game day. So if you want to be a part of the show, if you want to be a part of talking ball with us during a random game at 11 a.m., Uh, Follow us on the social media platforms and uh, you'll get notified when we go live. And we want to talk to you. We want to hear from you, whoever your team is, what your hottest predictions are. If you've got, you know, fun upsets or what your, what your lock of the week, what your underdog of the week was, we want to hear it all. Uh, So uh, head over and be a part of that. Guys, I think that just about wraps it up though. Week zero, we cannot wait to break all of this down and head into week one. College football season's here. And all God's people said, amen. For Trey Reeves, for Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Until next time, so long, everybody. (laughs) 